every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth, and the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Well, God's grace, peace, and mercy be with you on this uh, first Sunday of Christmas through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. <clears throat> Excuse me. So last week I used a Christmas Eve and Christmas Day sermon from Martin Luther. And I originally thought that that would not only be interesting, but it might save me some time. But as I read these sermons, I realized right away that I wasn't going to be able to read these messages to you as they're written you know for one thing they're too long you know Luther preached 45 minutes to an hour at the least and second the way he speaks even translated into the English <clears throat> it just doesn't work on a public speaking level today you can read it just fine but to speak it and to listen to it is not easy so I ended up shortening them and basically rewriting the two sermons which <clears throat> ended up being more work and more time in the end well, this weekend, the same thing. I figured, okay, we're in this, you know, this year-long celebration of the, uh, uh, the Reformation's 500th year. So <clears throat> let's keep old Martin Luther rolling, shall we? Because he's got a sermon for today and tonight as well. Same scripture verses. You know, the Christian church, I mean, we've been, we're using the same lectionary that he, he used. So why not? Now, I had to really re rework this one and condense it down into something thoughtful or something interesting about Simeon and Anna because he talks a lot about other stuff that's not really relevant today. But I think you'll find this meditation on these two characters from this story interesting and maybe useful to your own knowledge and thoughts about the early days of Jesus after he was born. It goes a little like this. Luke says that Joseph and Mary were amazed that this aged holy man stood in front of them in the temple. 
took the infant Jesus into his arms and joyously talked about him in such glorious terms, namely, that he should be a light to the whole world, a savior of all people, a glory to all Israel, and that he himself had such a high opinion of him that he would gladly die having seen the child. It was certainly something to be amazed at. After all, Jesus was seen as a poor, insignificant baby. The child's mother was poor and humble, and the father, Joseph, was not rich. How could this infant be regarded as if it were the Savior of all people and the honor and glory of all Israel? After the child's true nature became known, all this no longer seems to be so amazing. But when nothing of the sort was known, it did look very strange. And the poor little baby was so greatly unlike the mighty grand being as Simeon described him. But Joseph and Mary believed it, which is the reason for their amazement. But somebody might say, how is it that they're amazed at this when all that other amazing stuff happened earlier, like the angels and the shepherds? It was certainly astonishing that these men showed up having come from so far away, being guided by a star that appeared strictly for that purpose and adorned the Christ child with their offerings. How about Gabriel appearing to Joseph in dreams? All these had been marvelous events up to this time, but now in this temple scene, no miracle takes place and everything is visible. I don't think it's necessary to look very far and wide for an explanation. Luke doesn't deny that Mary and Joseph had marveled before this occasion. The simple explanation is that Luke wants to describe how they reacted when Simeon spoke so gloriously of the child, as if they wanted to say, we don't think this man is out of his mind, we believe him. The literal meaning of this serves as an example of our faith. We too should learn how marvelous God's works are concerning us and that the beginning and the end are quite different from each other. The beginning is nothing and the end is everything. Just as the infant Christ doesn't appear very significant in the beginning, in the end he becomes the Savior and the light of all the people. If his parents had judged things as to what they saw, they would not have regarded their son as anything more than a poor their poor little child. But they disregard the external evidence and marvel at Simeon's words about him. We too must disregard the external evidence when thinking about God's works and hold on only to his words. Another reason they marveled is to teach us God's word never gets preached or goes out into the world in vain. Luke wants to say that Simeon delivered a heartwarming, beautiful sermon preaching nothing but the gospel, declaring that Jesus is the Savior. This was a public event. So there were many Israelites in the temple that day that didn't hear Simeon or idly walked by without a care as to what was going on. But we learn here that we should gladly hear the word of God because it does produce good faith. So what's the spiritual significance to this amazement on the part of Mary and Joseph? Well, the temple is the place where God physically dwells with his people. It also signifies scripture where one finds God in his proper place. To bring Jesus into the temple is to bring him to his proper place. 
And we find this man Simeon in the same temple. Luke says he's a personification of all the prophets filled with the Holy Spirit. They waited for the Messiah and so did Simeon. It's as if all the prophets were there having ceaselessly waited for generations and the Messiah finally shows up. And they warmly take their place next to him, take him up in their arms and say with great joy, this is the man we've been waiting for of whom we have spoken. Now our words have come to their end with peace and joy. Luke didn't say that Joseph and Mary marveled at what Simeon said. Rather, he says they marveled at those things which were said about Jesus. Again, this is to put the focus on Christ and who he is and what he's come to be and do. Now what about, the, what about this woman Anna? Somebody might look at her and say, see, in this story of Anna, good works are praised like fasting and praying and going to church, so we should do these things. Well, here's my answer to them. Who's ever rejected good works? We only reject false good works. Those that seem to be good and are not. Fasting, praying, going to, ch- going to church are good works if they're done in the right spirit. But the trouble is that the blind heads rush into Scripture, clump about in boots and spurs, paying attention only to the works and examples of the saints. Immediately they want to do the same. They become only monkeys and hypocrites because they don't think about how Scripture speaks more about the person than about the works. They only grasp the works and not the faith. They eat the bran and throw away the flour. As we read in the prophet Hosea, they look to another God and love the dregs of the grapes. If you you want to pray and fast with Anna, the prophetess, then go ahead. But emulate her character, her faith first and then her works. Believe in Christ as she does and all else will follow. Simeon, as I said before, signifies the holy prophets who speak of Christ. Anna signifies those who stand by and hear and confess the message and apply it to themselves. Anna is nothing else than the holy synagogue, the people of Israel, whose life and history are written in the Bible. She's found in the temple too. And so she signifies the people of God before the birth of Jesus Christ. She's old, over a hundred years of age, close to her death, while Mary is young and in the prime of her life. The synagogue at the time of Christ was at its end and the church at its beginning. All the books of the Old Testament point so beautifully to Christ and confess Him All of them, indeed, stand around him, just as Anna stood in his presence. She doesn't lift the baby in her arms or say anything to the parents. Luke doesn't give us her words, yet this symbolism brings great pleasure to those who read and hear it. Now, this is my own tail end of this sermon because Luther's is not that exciting. (laughs) Luther ends his sermons like my mother-in-law ends her telephone conversations. Okay, bye, click. Luther ends this sermon with so much about this gospel. But I hope you picked up on this beautiful transition from Jesus' human 
humility in Bethlehem last week and his gradual glorification as the divine in this scene with Simeon and Anna, whom we, <clears throat> we never hear about again in Scripture after this day. Nevertheless, the best is yet to come. In a short time, Easter comes at its earliest that it can on the Julian calendar. I mean, it, you know, it's based on the cycle of the moon, but my point is Easter comes quickly this year while our hearts will still be meditating on Christ the child. So hold on to him while it lasts and take in this, his human and divine nature into your heart and believe like Mary and Joseph and Anna <coughs> and Simeon. Christ, <coughs> excuse me, Christ came for you and me to save us. <coughs> this is Luther coming back at me. <coughs> He's saying, no, just end it like I did. <coughs> We've waited for Christ for a long time too. So return again, Lord Jesus, and take us to heaven with you. Amen.